I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there or meet them at a trade show or even have a conference call so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them now at 514-488-3618 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group, We Are Jobs podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. Today, we got Whitney Hurt Barlow with us. She's the executive director of the Chilton County, Alabama Industrial Development Authority. Whitney, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. So Whitney actually is a lawyer by training, if I remember correctly. Uh, where'd you get your law degree? At Faulkner University in Montgomery at Thomas Good Jones School of Law. So tell us how a lawyer ends up getting into the great world of economic development. It's a funny story. I went to law school, was going to do grassroots advocacy, legal governmental relations is what I wanted to do. And you know, that thing about love, I met somebody and fell in love and got married and he lived in Mississippi, go state. And we moved to Yazoo County, Mississippi. And there was not exactly a job in the field I had experience in, but there was this job for the Director of Economic Development Chamber, Port Commission, and Airport Commission. Now, having been in economic development now, I realized that that is a suicide mission. <laughs> However, like, because who does that? However, going from one occupation into the other, I thought, well, okay, let's try this. And it was an extremely great experience with a lot of challenges. It was in the Mississippi Delta, worked with people that I can't even begin to explain how fantastic they were. You know, the Delta is such a cool, cool place in the United States, and it definitely knows what makes it tick and has learned how to market that. And so when Yazoo County, we really tried to use that as a avenue of group generating. So my first husband passed away, and so I wanted to get back into Alabama, which is where I'm from. So I moved back into the state and have been in economic development ever since. 
And Whitney is an Auburn person, although she does root for Mississippi State. So it's a good – we're recording this after we beat LSU, so it's a good time. That's right. Auburn won also, so that's a good start. And then, don't I remember, you You were like the agricultural beauty queen or something. What was the deal you won? I was um, state FFA president in – not going to tell the year – for the state of Alabama. And then I proceeded to compete in Miss Alabama agriculture a couple of years. And then I was the national finalist for the national beef ambassadors with the cattle women's and traveled all over the country, promoting cattle and in the cattlemen's industry and the beef industry. And I have miraculously stayed in economic development in counties. That is still their number one industry. Of course you're in the South. So a lot of what you have is rural anyway, but agriculture is still a very prominent industry. So my background has been quite helpful in that. Yeah, so I met Whitney when she was in Yazoo City, Mississippi, and had folks over there tell me what a good job she had done. So then she went to Monroeville, Alabama. Everybody's probably heard of Harper Lee. That's what Monroeville's known for. And, and now in Clanton, Alabama. So tell these folks a little bit about Clanton. Well, Clanton, Alabama is located in the middle of the state. So Chilton County is in the middle, is literally in the middle of the state of Alabama. We have five interstate exits, 27 miles of interstate. We have about 45,000 people that travel up and down interstate every single day. Most are headed to and from the beach, whether they live in the state of Alabama or they travel through I-65 headed to the beautiful Gulf Coast. They know where the big peach water tank is. And that is our claim to fame. You can't eat that peach, but you can come two more exits down and partake either Peach Park or Durbin's, which is where a lot of people stop as one of their must-stop places on their way to and from a vacation. But what makes Chilton County such a unique place is we also have eight automotive second-tier companies here that are located right off the interstate. We also have quite a bit of distribution and forestry. So because we are the north end of the wood basket in Alabama and the south end, really the last county that touches Birmingham, we get a kind of a mixture of our industry. We are very diverse in that. And Whitney's right. Everybody's heard of the Big Peach. If folks are listening to us from Illinois or Kentucky or Indiana and you ever drive to Destin or Gulf Shores, you go right by that Big Peach. I can be anywhere and talk about the Big Peach and they know exactly they know what I'm talking about. They are, yeah. Now, I like the peach ice cream better than the peaches themselves. Do they all sell a peach ice cream? Is there a certain place you got to go to get that? No, they all sell the peach ice cream. Right. And it depends on what time of the year you get the peaches and which farm they come from and which type of peach you get, depending on the sweetness of the peach. So you're basically halfway between Montgomery and Birmingham, right? Yes. All right. And I know y'all are doing a lot of stuff with workforce development. Y'all just announced the workforce development partnership. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? So anywhere in the country right now, we are seeing a massive move of generations. You know, baby boomers starting to retire and you've got children of baby boomers who have all their parents wanted them to go to four year and get four year degrees. And then you have this gap of blue collar jobs, which are very, very well paying jobs and are jobs that are not what your parents and your grandparents worked. They're a completely different line of work. So we saw this gap here. Most of our people that live in Chilton County either work in Montgomery or Birmingham. And one of the things that they asked when I first came, when we did a strategic plan with the Next Move group, was like day one, I wanted that to come. I think month three I was here is when we started it. Because one of the things that our community really looked for was finding jobs, local, home, 
that paid what Birmingham and Montgomery paid. So people weren't on the interstate. So we started talking to Jefferson State Community College, which is here. We have a campus here in Clanton. And the private industry that was both in Birmingham and Montgomery and here in Clanton or Chilton County, and what were the gaps and where did they need training? And out of that came a heavy commercial industry slash high tech type concept. And I say a concept because it's not a normal where you go and work with a community college or an entity of the state and you kind of set up a training program. We wanted to come in it from the private sector side and really focus on how to build that center. How do we get kids or adults that are trying to train into a specific field and how to get them into a job that's going to turn into a career. So we recently announced, actually the Craft Training Board announced to Jefferson State Community College a grant to help fund this program in the spring. And then our city, through a funding mechanism with the EDPA, donated $160,000 to buy a simulator. And this simulator looks like if anybody's not familiar with them, they're really cool. They look like something you'd go like Aladdin's castle was when I was young, <laughs> you know, an arcade and sit in. The software programs though for this simulator can be like 20 different software programs. They can teach you how to drive a dump truck to a concrete truck to a bulldozer, but the simulator itself is 160,000. So the city donated one to Jeff State and the plan is 16 students in the spring and we'll start the heavy machinery class. And then we will grow from there. We have a drone class set up, a, another course CDL, because you can't get enough truck drivers, but to really try to specialize in it. We're also looking at some other avenues. The goal is to get 10 to 12 daddy classes that would be operated throughout the year. And right now, the workhorse center is located on the Peach Tower side of the interstate, which is the south side of the interstate. But our plan is to locate it at the farm center which announced here about, I don't know, eight months after I got here, the Farm Center with the Alabama Farmers Federation will be located on the same exit on the north side. And so we will eventually house the Workforce Center there. And talk about the Farm Center. I know that is a huge investment. What are they going to be doing? People listening, they're from all over the country. So there's about 10 of these type facilities located in the country. The one closest to us is Perry, Georgia. There's another one in Grand Island, Nebraska one located in Wyoming, and these are huge complexes that have 15 to 17 buildings, eight to 10 barns, two to three different types of arenas, exhibition halls, and these are facilities that either are state-owned, university-owned, um, and some kind of government function for statewide events, and also are regional events and national events. So the state of Alabama doesn't have one, and over the years, our location that we had that we did all our state events in Montgomery is not in the capacity it needs and it has not been renovated. So the Alabama Farmers Federation came through and said, you know, as a project that we want to donate a legacy project back to the state of Alabama, we want to create the Alabama Farm Center. And they announced that project February 2019 and started Endeavors. It's on 526 acres, like I said, located on the north side of exit 212, so across from the Peach Tower. It will have two arenas, one outdoor arena, one indoor arena. You've got six to seven barns, a couple of 30 to 40,000 square foot exhibition halls, and then a large 150,000 square foot exhibition hall. It'll have RV, campgrounds, a park, and the goal is to do everything from a state fair to a rodeo to you know shows there. And how that's an economic development is if anyone's not aware, the average person that comes to one of those events spends about $86 a day 
and you take a local and county cut of sales tax out of that, you're looking at $15 million. I mean, you're seeing a real boost in sales tax. And in the state of Alabama, we are a sales tax driven state. We are a low property tax, high sales tax. So for us, it's a huge gift for our revenue, but it's also a huge gift for the state of Alabama. Thank you, Whitney. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. We'll be right back with a lot more with Whitney Barlow right after this. I want to thank Location One. Some folks know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. Location One has, in my opinion, the best building and sites database in the economic development industry. I am often asked by economic developers, Chad, if you were an economic developer again, what would be the first thing you'd do? And it is without question, without question, first thing I'd do would be put my builders and sites on Lois. And let me tell you why that would be. Number one, I always did economic development in small to mid-sized towns, and one of our struggles was just getting eyeballs on our properties. That was our struggle. Lois overcomes that struggle for you. So the mistake I used to make is I would just put my buildings and sites on the state economic development database. Well, every time I did economic development, I was close to a border. So I was basically bordered in other states. And anybody looking for buildings just across the way in the other state wouldn't find my buildings because I only had it on my state economic development website. I couldn't have made a dumber move looking back, but hey, it's what I did. When you advertise your buildings and sites on Lois, it goes to a nationwide database. So prospects looking for a certain site or certain building in the whole country can find you based on the parameters they put in. If they're looking at a radius, they're probably going to find you if they're looking in the state next door. If your building or site is on Lois, it's also the most responsive friendly I have seen. So I love looking at buildings and sites on my iPad. I much rather look on my iPad when we're doing site selection work in the field than on my computer. Computer. And I have found Lois is basically the only big buildings and sites database I've found that works well on my iPad. A lot of the other ones, they just don't work as well. They tear the thing down. They don't remember your, your search query. If you put in 50,000 feet and you back it out, it forgets it. They're just hard to deal with. Lois is not. It's easy to use. It's just as easy for economic developers as it is site selectors. It walks you through inserting your information. So it tells you, place your gas line information here. Place your water line information here so you don't have to guess. You don't have to know code to make this thing work. But most importantly, once you push save, once you enter your information, it's going to go in a nationwide database, which is going to get a ton, a ton of eyeballs on your builders and sites, way more than you'd get on them on your own if you just put it on your website or advertise it on the state economic development website. It also inputs ESRI data for radiuses of your buildings and sites. So a prospect's not just looking at a building or site when they find your information. They can actually see information about your labor force. You don't even have to put it in there. It does it for you automatically. This is the best buildings and sites database I have found. I encourage you to go to location1.com, sign up for a demo, see how this thing works. Transition to location one. You'll be real happy you did. And you're going to have all kind of tourism money coming. They can have everything from conferences to concerts to rodeos and competitions and everything else. And I would assume that that'll pop up some hotel space and all around there. I don't know. You're probably working on that now. We are doing some commercial work and being in between Montgomery and Birmingham has advantages and disadvantages. Our closest cities are Alabaster and Prattville outside of the two bigger metropolitan areas. And as we know, 
people get tired of living in the city. COVID definitely has impacted people looking to move to places where there's more space. And we really need to grow in our commercial aspect. Perry's average numbers is about a million people that come through, 500,000 of them come through 14 days, which is during their state fair. So you're looking at an average of 500,000 people in addition to what already is coming into our county. So that helps bring our commercial numbers up and we'll be able to not just do hotels, but retail shops and restaurants and gas stations and stores, activities for the kids to do, you know, movie theaters, things that we're all getting on the interstate and spending our money somewhere else right now. And y'all are really on the forefront of trying to figure out how to get broadband to all of your residents. And that is a problem. Rural America's talking about more now than ever with COVID and schools trying to get kids broadband. Talk about what y'all are doing in that regard. And I know my friend Connie Bainbridge, I think, is doing some stuff too. So talk about how rural counties trying to attack that. Mississippi has got it. You know, they use C Spire and C Spire being a Mississippi grown company, it really understood the value of making sure rural Mississippi had really good access to internet. So I started, I guess, before COVID really trying to work with that. Connie Bainbridge works with Central Alabama Electric Co-op. As you know, with the co-ops in the state of Alabama and in the country, that was when rural America didn't have electricity and the co-ops came together and formed as co-ops do and said, we're going to provide electricity to our residents in the rural areas. Well, they took that same model and laid it over onto broadband, which to me, that's really thinking on a visionary level, how we can provide broadband. Well, they are doing a ring in Elmore County, in Chilton County, and that ring is starting to light up. And these people are getting internet service that they have never had. Well, jumping on that and then you coupling COVID where people all got sent home, we really started trying to look at where our holes were. And we hired SANE associates to do a broadband study and to really come in and evaluate what we know, because you know, you live in New Orleans, but you know what you have and what you don't have. I mean, all this did was really put a plan together. For us to be able to start going after um, grant money and private money and county, I mean, local money and to really start coming up with how are we going to close the gap. We're at the point now in the plan where we're identifying where the biggest needs are for safety and the biggest needs are for education and then where the needs are for future growth. And then those are going to be the areas that we start filling the gaps because we all know that if you don't have decent internet service, it's really hard to live, period, in 2020, much less run a company. Well, I think that's going to be the deal breaker. I think with everything going on in the country and COVID and everything else, I think you're going to see rural towns have more opportunities than ever. A lot of companies not going to want to put, especially manufacturing facilities into big cities, but the rural towns are going to have to have the broadband. And I know Connie has been talking about that as long as I've been coming up there. So she's been on the forefront of it. So I admire y'all partnering together and figuring that out. What advice would you give young economic developers? So you've been in the business now, what, 10 or 15 years, I guess. So we got a lot of folks that listen that are project managers and just getting in and hadn't been a CEO yet. What have you learned that you know now that you wish you had known back then that you could share with some of our listeners? You cannot please everybody. And the biggest way to fail is to try to please them all. The best way to do is to work plans. Y'all do a fantastic strategic plan. And you get that plan in your hand and you work it. You don't put it on the shelf. You use it because that is what your community wants. Because you are hired to be the voice of what the community wants. Well, the only way you know what that is, is to evaluate them. Once you learn the majority and those that are engaged, you stick to that plan. Because you're not going to make everybody happy. 
and there are going to be people that don't like you and there's going to be people that don't want growth and don't want change just the way it's always been it worked for me it'll be fine but in order to stay with the next generation and to be able to make your community a place that you want to live and that's how you evaluate it if you're young and you're just starting out then that's your generation what do you want i mean i'm 40 now so my generation is different but you know what are you looking for what is your threshold and that's what you've got to get at your community too and that threshold can be a variety of things communities can be focused on economic development from sectors of industrial all the way to economic development from tourism and anything in between just hold the course thank you whitney we're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners and be right back